Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. So good to have you here with us today on episode 324. Got another great show for you today as we are going to be welcoming back a repeat guest onto the podcast. We're going to be talking all about the future of live events. Uh, today, we're going to be talking with Brandon Edmondson. He's a good friend of mine. More importantly, he's the vice president of Premier Speakers Bureau here in the Tennessee area. I wanted to have him back on the podcast as we turn the calendar to a new year to share with us what we as speakers can expect in the year ahead. So in this conversation, we recap how Premier has helped their clients pivot in 2020. They work with a ton of different speakers, some of the best of the best. You're definitely going to want to listen to that. We also discuss why moderated Q&As are becoming more and more popular in place of longer keynotes. And we talk about why your lighting and camera setup may be more important than you think going forward, even to the point of directly affecting your speaking fee. Honestly, can't think of anyone more dialed in to where the speaking industry is at, where it's headed than Brandon. So let's get right to it. Here's my conversation on the future of live events with Brandon Edmondson. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Today, we are joined by a personal friend and friend of the show, Brandon Edmondson, who's one of the uh, agents over at Premier Speakers Bureau. We've had him on multiple times back on episode 163 and episode 242. Uh, so uh, even though this is an audio podcast, you're just going to have to trust me that Brandon's one of the prettiest men in all of the speaking industry. Brandon, thanks for being here, buddy. How are you? Hey, man. What a, that, that's a good lead in for sure. Good, I, don't, good. I don't know where we go from there. You know, uh, <laughs> I'm done. No, good. To, good to be back. I've enjoyed our times over the years. So it's yeah, cool. man. So uh, we are we're recording this basically at the end of 2020, and uh, this has certainly been a weird year in the speaking industry uh, for the, the the world in general, but definitely for the speaking industry. So uh, we're going to kind of just talk through what the past few months have been like for you. We want you to look into your crystal ball, seeing what you're seeing uh, going ahead. But again, for someone who's not familiar with uh, with who you are, I haven't heard the previous episodes. Give us quick context on what your role is within Premier. Sure. Yeah. So I serve as the vice president at Premier. Um, we are kind of a, a mid-sized bureau um, where, you know, we have around 20 employees, around 10 agents, and then support staff for those events. Obviously, up until March 2020, pretty much everything we did was for live events. So there was a tremendous amount of support staff. Um, you know, booking the flights and coordinating live events. Um, we obviously have merged and our support staff looks a little different. They're supporting different types of events right now. But, um, you know, so I work kind of as an agent where I am fielding in inquiries that are coming in uh, from clients in various business sectors. And, and typically what they're doing is they're asking me, but giving me the details and the criteria on their event. And then we're making speaker suggestions based on that. 
Um, our bureau does represent around 50 exclusive speakers who we kind of handle their entire calendar. So some of my day certainly is just, you know, continuing those relationships, making sure that those speakers are feeling like, you know, they're um, getting served as they, as they should be, the dates are coming in and, and strategizing for future and mm-hmm. things like that. But yeah, that kind of gives you an idea of what I do on a day to day. And so across the board within Premier, you guys are booking uh, a, a normal month, I assume, what, a couple hundred events, give or take? Yeah, yeah for sure. We're, every year, we're usually right in that 2,000 uh, a year mark. So you kind of, yeah, divide it by So 12. booking 2,000 events uh, uh, on a yearly basis, all different sectors, all different industries, all different price points. Uh, yeah. the, the long story short, you interact with a lot of in, uh, event planners, you interact with a lot of speakers, you really have your hand on the pulse of the speaking industry and, and kind of what's going on. So let's go back, um, you know, March, April or so when the world started to really implode uh, yeah. and certainly affecting the, the speaking industry. Uh, what was, what was March like for you? I know we, we, we've texted a lot and talked a few times since then, uh, throughout all of that, but what was March like for you as things were, as speakers were calling you like, and event yeah. planners were calling you and everybody suddenly canceling. What, what was that? Yeah. Like? No, it's so wild. It's kind of interesting to reminisce for sure. I, I think it was March 9th or 10th that we were in a board meeting with the agents say, Hey, is anybody like had any people get concerned about COVID? And like, am I saying that right? COVID is that yeah, what it's called? Yeah, is that what no, people are <laughs> And one agent was like, yeah, I mean, I had one that wanted to postpone, you know, and we're like, "Ah, that's fine. And then like within a week, (laughs) this guy had completely (laughs) fell, the bottom dropped out of everything. So it was just a, it was a literal day by day by day of really, um, you know, a a lesson in force majeure, a lesson in contracts. What uh, are we legally responsible for? What are the speakers and the clients? And so just getting inundated with, okay, Brandon, um, I've been your client for five, six, seven years. We've done 20 events together. I can't do this event. What are my options, right? Yeah. So that's March. I mean, that was all of March, really working to do everything we could to serve them. But we do have a contract for a reason. And, and we were very fortunate and able to essentially postpone or move, I would say, probably 90-ish percent of those dates yeah. where we... And the industry kind of said, listen, we, we don't feel we are in a position to just start refunding money. You know, we need to keep our um, doors open too. We have employees to feed as we're all trying to do this together. And so, um, you know, if a client demanded money, there were certain scenarios where we did give it back for various reasons, but you know, working with clients and speakers to postpone and move dates. So yeah, we, in this, pretty much all of those events had to go somewhere and all of essentially 2020, they had to go somewhere. So we probably, you know, postponed around a thousand ish dates and and moved them to the future. And yeah, those weren't fun conversations where certain clients like, Hey, we have to have this money back or we have to close our doors. And so obviously we were just about every situation we were just looking at, you know, what, what's the right thing to do? What do we need to do? What's our responsibility to our speakers? our employees, our clients. So yeah, I mean, there were some not fun um, conversations for sure. But I think, you know, us as a company, we're very fortunate to be able to work with the clients to move most of those events to 2021 at some point. Right. So as we've gone throughout the rest of the year here, um, how have you seen things change, improve, get worse, yeah. get better? What are you kind of seeing as, as that the, t- the trajectory has been over the past several months? Yeah, for sure. So March and April, obviously everything dropped. There were just yeah. there was no new business. And then 
uh, pretty much the summer months, pretty much maintained throughout that, a date here or there, a virtual event here, just so many unknowns, so much fear about virtual. And I think an idea of like, you know what, this is only going to be a couple months. So I'm going to hang tight. I'll be speaking in fall of 2020. And then once it kind of felt like, you know, that's not going to happen. Then I think companies and speakers began to really say, yeah, this is going to be here a while. So if we want to have any type of programming, any type of quote unquote meeting, it's going to be virtual for the foreseeable future. And so um, virtual is not a um, end all be all experience. I think it's an average experience, but the speakers that were able to jump on it, invest in just the production and the lighting and the microphones and the cameras, um, capitalized probably pretty early. And then everyone else kind of figured it out along the way. Um, so moving into the fall, um, I have found um, just kind of little pockets of business sectors, uh, corporate technology for one. I mean, that's a very obviously tech heavy you know, your Facebooks and your Googles and some of your large Fortune 500 tech companies, they're saying, okay, well, I don't have to have an event budget anymore in that I don't have to get a hotel conference center. Uh, you know, we don't have to invest in that type of production. So as opposed to one or two large events, we're a tech company, our, our employees are pretty much working from home indefinitely. So let's spread that out. And hey, Brandon, can we do an event next week? And it's like, yeah, sure. You know, there is some interesting benefits of this problem, right? Where yeah. if you do have some of that innovation, you know, um, flowing, like you can kind of figure out ways, these companies have figure out ways to go ahead and do events and turn them around quick and, you know, say, you know, we'll spread this out. Maybe we'll do, you know, two or three virtual events a month. Uh, we won't, you know, spend as much money, but, you know, it's keeping us very busy. So we are working harder, but we are starting to see some of those virtual events come in. So as a relationship just virtual as a, as a whole, it seems like people are, because are, my observation is it seems like virtual has always been something that's been around, uh, even like prior to all of this. It hasn't been something that people have taken super seriously on either side of the equation. Speakers Absolutely. haven't taken it super seriously. Event planners haven't seen it as a viable option. And now all of a sudden, because of this, it's, it's been the only option. And so people are forced to take it seriously. And if we're going to meet, um, then this is the way we have to do it. So yeah. are you seeing that, like you mentioned, you know, March, April, May, everyone's just kind of like, let's just sit and wait. Surely this isn't going to last that long. Eventually people realize this is going to be around for a second. Hopefully again, we've seen the bottom of it and we're on the way out of it. And um, well, we can come back to some of that stuff. But as it relates to virtual, are, are you seeing that there's more and more of virtual events that are happening? And it sounds like they are happening on a shorter lead time and just smaller budgets because mm -hmm. it's easier to put together when you're putting together a live in-person event that may have, you know, six, 12 months of, of planning. And there's just a lot that goes into it versus like what you're saying with virtual, it may be someone saying like, Hey, let's, let's do something next Thursday. And that's yeah. very viable and easy, uh, easier to pull off. So are you just seeing like more and more people jumping on the virtual train and seeing it as a, as a real viable option? Yeah, absolutely. And there still is a fear. There's still is a, an unknown. I mean, most of the companies, the first time they're emailing me, you know, clients that I've worked with for years, you know, the email is very tentative, like, hey, like, are you doing virtual events? Yeah. You know, like, I'm actually kind of surprised that some of the late adopters in that. And it's like, absolutely. You know, we, uh, Premier, we just jumped on it quick and we offered a free virtual Friday and basically just got the biggest name that we could and offered it for free 
and just did essentially to show all of our clients what a live or what a virtual event could look like. Yeah. And, and some of it was just a give back. Like, Hey, if you're worn down, come in and just listen to Damon John and let's just get encouraged. Let's just encourage one another. And so just to show that it can be done. And so, you know, they really started to jump on. So it's like, we don't have enough data um, to, to make a ton of predictions other than in November, I personally booked more events in 2020 than I did in 2019, wow. which is saying something. I booked more. I, I worked harder. Yeah. I didn't make less money because the, the, you know, typically what we're seeing is on average, the speaker fee is about half for virtual, about mm -hmm. half. Like that's a general generalization. Some are much less. Some are actually so busy. They're really not discounting it at all, which is crazy. But uh, I worked, you know, harder, had to go out and find dates, turn them around faster, but booked more dates in November. So that's interesting. Um, there's also something we said of, we didn't really book a ton of events over the summer. So people are kind of catching up. They're like, they're booking last minute. So if you spread that November over the summer, it probably would have evened out to about the same amount of dates. So with this, it does create an interesting opportunity for just last minute bookings where, our average booking for live events was probably around a month to two months. Uh, this, you know, we're seeing some of these come in and we're getting contracts within a couple of days, as long as the speaker's available and boom, we just set it up. Like it's just much easier. That's wild. That's crazy. Do you feel like with, with what's happening with virtual, what's the general sense that you're hearing from event planners and from speakers? Meaning that, is this something that people are like, yeah, this isn't, this isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Or is this like, eh, it sucks. And we're just going to bide our time until this is passed and we can, uh, we don't want to do this long-term. Uh, right. What's your sense of, of how people are feeling about virtual and is virtual a real option long-term? Uh, I think it is both. I think clients are saying it's better than I thought. Um, that is with the understanding of, uh, keynotes aren't flying too well, yeah. like an actual 20 minute, even 20 minutes of one person talking, it's just not great. So for the most part, we're seeing maybe a pre-recorded or opening remarks, five, 10 minutes to set the tone, to go through some stuff. And then really, I would say the, the bigger, the name the more they just want a Q&A, right? Just a moderated Q&A. Mm -hmm. The CEO jumps on, the bigger the name, it's pretty much all that. And then if there are authors that have real actionable takeaway content, like a book with real practical stuff, you can actually stretch out the keynote a little bit further because it's it's practical. Practical. It's not just telling stories. Yeah. Um, so the more you know, concrete kind of practical stuff you have, I think you could stretch out that keynote to maybe 20 minutes, but it's really gonna be a better experience for everyone when there's more Q&A, more interaction. Another interesting thing that we're finding is, you know, you go to a live event and the speaker speaks for 60 minutes. Hey, does anyone have any questions? No, there's like one question, right? Okay. No one is, no one wants to get up there and, and in front of their peers and grab the mic in front of a thousand yeah. people because there's just that, you know, um, uh, people are just afraid of that, right? Insecurities. Yeah. We find the uh, Q and A section online goes longer. It's it's the idea, like you know, you would never say that to my face, but you would post on someone's Facebook wall. <laughs> we kind of see the same thing, right? People will send that question in, and now there's very little, uh, you know, backlash or anything that can happen. It's not too hard to be embarrassed. You just send a question in, and maybe they answer it, maybe they don't. So we see a really good amount of interaction, um, and so that is something that we're seeing. And certain speakers, uh, I'll do a shout out for a guy like Phil Hansen who's an artist, 
Um, he, you know, has people texting stuff in and he's using real time information from the audience and he's interacting with them and saying, oh, you know, Grant from Nashville, that was a great question. And it gives us people a sense, oh, like this is real. This is actually kind of cool. Mm -hmm. It gives me a little peek back in this curtain that um, I didn't have in a live event. So it is different. But then again, to answer long answer, I think people are saying it's different. It's here. Uh, it's the best we can, but we can't wait till we can get back and actually meet in person, right? There is something there. Now, I do think what will happen is the virtual experience will be some type of an add-on even for live keynoting in the future. Yeah. I think clients are going to want that. I think it's, can they do a virtual call with our team? before the event to get everyone in the mix and to kind of get a vibe. And then we'll go to the event. We'll do a live. And then could they maybe jump on a month after and do a virtual Q and A just as we're, you know, following up from that keynote. Right. So I think it is going to create a little bit of a hybrid where people are going to want more add-ons because they're not afraid of the technology. They know the speakers can do it for relatively cheap. So I think it's going to be bundled in as we move forward. So should speakers be thinking about that now as opportunities of, uh, like I always like think of it like when you when you go to Chick-fil-A, you can buy just the sandwich right. or you can buy the sandwich and the fries and the tea and have this combo meal. And all of a sudden the the, the value, the ticket price is going up significantly uh, or at least a percentage there. And the same thing is true for a speaker. Like you can go and you can deliver your, your keynote and do your dog mm -hmm. and pony show and that's it. But if you can do this and for a little bit more, you can add this and this and this, or for a little bit more than that, you could do this, 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 and this. All of a sudden, event planners are going like, well, dang, if we can, why wouldn't we get all this? And this and all the extra bells and whistles that go along with that. So do you think yeah. that all of this actually creates more opportunities for speakers long-term? Yeah, I do. I, I do. I think it's there. And I think um, if to go ahead and start investing in some of the good setup and the good lighting and just go and say like, listen, virtual will be a part of my life. Um, in some form or fashion for a while. And if they want that as a one-off, that's great. But then I can also bundle this. And, and I think the thing that bundles in the nicest is a virtual Q&A 30 days after the event um, for a minimal fee, for a small upcharge or something like that. To me, that's that real nice um, thing that clients are kind of looking for because like, okay, you come, you speak at our event. It was great. But then what do we do with it, right? And so to kind of keep that speaker at the forefront of their minds, keep that information there, I think that's something that can really be a nice uh, nice selling point, a nice add-on. And you could just structure your pricing to say, oh, I'm a, you know, a $17,000 speaker, but what I'm going to do for 2021 is I'm just going to bump it up to 20K, but I'm going to speak for this. And what that 20K includes, it also includes a free virtual, right? Like, I think that's something that you can kind of bundle in strategically, but certainly as an add-on too, because I think people are getting more accustomed to it and will be more used to it in 2021 as a part of like kind of just their life, you know? Hey friends, do you know the five steps to book more gigs and get paid as a speaker? Well, if not, listen up because these same five steps to help me to grow a seven-figure speaking career are all laid out in great detail in my latest book, The Successful Speaker. Five steps for booking gigs, getting paid, and building your platform. Whether you want to speak as a side hustle or your dream is to become a full-time professional speaker, I know what it takes. I share all of that with you in this definitive step-by-step -step roadmap. 
Let me be your guide. Learn from my mistakes. Get paid what you know you're worth to share your unique message on stage. If you want to read the first chapter for free or just check out the book, go to thespeakerlab.com slash book. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash book. Check out your copy of The Successful Speaker. You mentioned before that that speaking fees for virtual are kind of all over the map. They generally yeah. kind of settle around 50%, which is what we've been hearing as well. Yeah. Um, some higher, some lower. Are you seeing those that are on the higher side or, or even on the average or above? Uh, is one of the main differences going to be the the tech side and the setup that they have? Because I think at the beginning, back in you know March, April, everyone's just kind of like, well, I got, I got a webcam and yeah. the built-in microphone is good enough. And like, yeah, people will tolerate that to a, to a degree. But the production value absolutely goes a long way in terms of the value feel, people feel like they're getting. So do you feel like that production value is one of the big pieces that determines speaking fee? Are there any other factors that people are like, okay, if I'm going to do, if a speaker's going to, if I'm going to do virtual for a while, as in for the next year, or maybe a couple years, mm-hmm. and I want to make sure that I'm, I'm on the upper end of what I can charge in my industry, in my space, for my expertise, uh, there's production value. Is there anything else that speakers should be thinking through uh, to increase um, that value? Well, I think there's a lot of things that correlate with fee, as we know. I mean, it's an inexact science. Um, Josh Linkner has a uh, eight check uh, on, you know, speakers ask him all the time, how do you, you know, do your speaker fee? Josh Linkner has an eight step um, kind of formula that he uses. Like, how famous am I? Do I have a book? How big is my social? And then that kind of spits out a speaker fee. But I will say that we see consistency with, Speakers that have maintained their speaker fee as close to their live average have the certainly have very, very strong production. Yeah. Uh, to me, that those correlate hand in hand. If if there's a some of them have two camera shoots, some of them are moving around and they're fortunate with the setup, right? They're in their basement and they're moving around from room to room in a basement with different cameras and and you know different setups, which is very nice. But those that have really invested in the technology to make it feel as interactive and professional as possible, the fees typically is going to track with that. And I think the reason that is is because so many clients liked it, thus so many speakers bought it. So speak, speakers' calendars are full. So it's kind of one of those things. Well, I don't have much time in the day. I'm just going to raise my prices, right? So I think that those correlated well because clients see value in that. They're willing to pay more for that. Um, on the flip side, I think the more famous you are as a speaker, um, you're still going to be in kind of that uh, range where people just want you to come on and tell stories. I will say the celebrities have. Uh, I thought I was very nervous that the celebrities were going to come in and just slash their prices because they were kind of bored. <laughs> they didn't mind getting on. And so that, that's right. And it's like, you know, I'm a hundred thousand dollar speaker. I'm going to do it for 10. And that happened a lot. Mm-hmm. And so, oh my gosh, like if you're a $10,000 speaker, you're supposed to go do it for 1000. Like that's not going to work. Right. But it really didn't affect it. Um, they're kind of like, well, do you want a famous celebrity to do a Q and a, then there's always going to be a market for that, right? Mm-hmm. That's always, they're, they're, they'll always get that. There also is always a market for good content, good production, good delivery, actionable takeaways. And sure, you know, Matthew McConaughey will get on and talk to us for 45 minutes and tell some great stories and we'll have a ton of traction, but we're not going to do a whole lot with it, right? But yeah. if we have these speakers that are delivering content, maybe they jump on with this two or three times, 
will also pay a nice premium for that um, because it's not just telling stories. So I think everyone can kind of find something that does work for them in the space. I really believe that. Yeah. To, to that end, this is, uh, you know, there's a lot of, of speakers at all different levels who listen to the show. And there's certainly a lot of newer speakers who are who just got started or getting started or in the midst of this right now. Uh, what would you say to them? Is, is now a good time to, to get started as a speaker, to build a business? Or is now just like, ah, this is a horrible time? Uh, I'm a little biased in my opinion, but I'd be curious yeah. from your perspective, what you, what you think? Yeah. I mean, if you're a new speaker right now, I think there are some real challenges. I really do. Um, Because the first thing we're kind of telling new speakers is get out there, do it as much as you can do free gigs, like do all of those things. Like, and so right now, I mean, even though um, certain business sectors, they are booking, they do have the budget to do it. You know, it is also dried up considerably depending on the type of market. I also represent healthcare. You know, healthcare's got a little bit bigger fish to fry in in the moment than just booking speakers virtually, right? Like they're trying to figure out a global pandemic. It's the world. Yeah. And so it's dried up, right? So I do think the pieces of the pie are a little bit smaller right now. And so if I was a new speaker, I think there's other things that I would be investing in. I, you know, I'd probably just be creating more online content, um, you know, working on book, just working on things that all speakers like say, oh, it's on my list to do. I just have never really done that. I've never really started this or started a blog or, you know, worked on this book or whatever the case may be. I think um, there are some tough roads ahead just because, you know, fees are lower. Um, The barrier of it in, there aren't as many clients just, you know, trying to book events personally that I, that I see out there. So I think there certainly are some challenges, not to say if you have relationship with, with companies and want to go ahead and invest in that platform that it's going to be wasted. But I just do think there are more challenges than there have been in other times. Yeah. Uh, you touched on, you said that the you know, healthcare has certainly been a little bit slower than normal right now, obviously. Um, technology has been very good. Are there any other industries that you're seeing, hey, this is going a little bit better. This yeah. one's going a little bit worse. Um, what are the, the buy, sell, hold categories right now for, uh, yeah. for different industries well, that you see? I- Yeah. I mean, I think it's tracking with, um, you know, kind of the stock market type stuff. I mean, I think there are those um, certain small um, private companies that aren't necessarily tied into, you know, uh, restrictions. They're actually booking a lot. Some of them are actually booking live events for the end of this year into 2021. Um, I think uh, government or .ed, anything that's government related, that that money's typically earmarked. That money's not going to be gone. Um, that's a use it or lose it type scenario where it's like, well, this is my money I have for 2020 to book speakers. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really dependent on how the economy does. Like I'm going to go ahead and book speakers. So education has been good. And yeah, those kind of, a lot of those fortune 500 that have not been, um, you know, drastically, um, you know, kind of wreaked havoc on their industry, you know, even like food, you know, food service, um, while their restaurants aren't open, they're printing money because everything's carry out. They do not have to pay staff. It's like, it's kind of one of those things where there are certain business sectors, um, some very large national food chains have booked very large, um, speakers with me just because, yeah, we're doing everything virtual, but we actually have a huge budget because we're not bringing in a bunch of people. So you just kind of got to look at the economy and say, okay, what sectors are thriving mm-hmm. and 
does my content match well with that? Um, and you know, let's see if we can, you know, get some gigs potentially in that space. So yeah, there are, they are out there for sure. Yeah. Are you seeing as far as timeline, again, we're kind of record, we're recording this at the end of, of 2020. So kind of looking ahead, those that are booking in-person events, how far out are those um, that you're seeing are things happening in, in Q1, Q2? Yeah. Are people still just kind of like, eh, I still don't feel comfortable? Or what, do you, what are you seeing on the live uh, booking standpoint uh, for, for live in-person events? I mean, I, I think the majority is we're still not comfortable or we're still not ready to pull the trigger because there's so many unknowns, certainly yeah. with your large, big brands, right? There's, you know, there's a fear of getting sued. Like if I have an event and someone gets COVID or whatever, like, you know, we don't want that on our hands. And so that's certainly there. Um, I, you know, hear from a lot of those type of event planners coming saying we will not book an event till there is a vaccine, like hundred yeah. percent. And that there is, uh, proof that that vaccine has worked, right? So don't, we're not even thinking that. Again, some small private companies are. So I am booking some events for December live, small private, um, you know, and they're local, they're a regional company, right? So people aren't traveling in. It's like, we have 40 employees locally. We're gonna go ahead and do this event, but the speaker needs to know, I'm gonna record the session and we're gonna broadcast it to our international clients. So there are some other um, things that the clients are adding in that you also need to be mindful of. Right. Yeah. And that's another big thing to think about like clients are, they have to record your live event right now for sure. And your virtual event and you can put restrictions on it. And most of us, you know, in the industry are kind of sticking to, you can record it. You can host it on a password protected, non-downloadable site for anywhere from 30 to 90 days. After that, you don't have the rights to it anymore. Right. Yeah. And so that's kind of what we're starting to see across the board. And then, yeah, we are booking some Q1 of next year, but we are also moving some Q1 of next year. Yeah. So some of those events we moved from March, 2020, to March, 2021, we're starting to get a few of those emails say, Hey, we don't feel comfortable having a thousand people in a room for March. Can we move this to the fall? So we are starting to see those trickle into, um, you know, but hopefully the vaccination, um, you know, as if things continue to go down, those will be fewer and far between, but even if we do need to move it again, like we still feel like virtual uh, is still there. It is still viable for the moment. And that will be, you know, enough to kind of get us through this time. And, you know, Grant and I, you and I were talking, if you can get through this, if you can wade this from March to March, then I truly think that you can pretty much get through anything, right? Like yeah. you, the future is, is good. And the speaking business will be very viable. And there will be a real desire to meet in person. I mean, I think that's the thing that we hear. We just can't wait till we can meet in person again. So people will be kind of fiending for it. Like, oh my gosh, like let's book two speakers as long as the economy kind of tracks yeah. with the reopen. Uh, as long as it's not, you know, reopen happens, economy tanks, as long as those can both kind of trend together. You know, I think we could be in a ready for real, real strong booking season in the summer of 2021 and potentially the spring where a lot of live events could happen in the fall of 2021. I think we could really start to see a big, big growth, you know, uh, assuming things continue to trend the way they are. 
Yeah, you're exactly right. And that's, I, I feel the same way that um, the speaking industry has been around for a long time. It's survived wars, depressions, recessions, 9-11, mm-hmm. you know, it's seen crazy stuff like this. Uh, yep. This is certainly weird, but um, it's it's been around for a while. And it'll be around for a long time. So there will yep. be a speaking industry on the other side of this. And like you said, I think the longer this goes, the more there's like that uh, pent up demand of, of people going, man, we got to get together or, or we we need this. We miss this. We have to have the, the community, the camaraderie. And so, yeah, I think on the other side of this, there may be even more opportunities. Like we were kind of touching on earlier, you have in-person stuff coming back, virtual becomes a new option, hybrid event starts happening. Um, So I think, yeah, now is a great time to... Uh, to be planting seeds for those events. Because like you said, virtual may be stuff that happens, you know, hey, let's book something next week. Um, but it's also the type of thing that they may be booking stuff, you know, a couple months out. And the in-person stuff uh, is not booked the week before. Uh, oh, no. It's booked several yeah. months out. So now sure. is a good time to be planting those seeds for for things that are going to uh, happen many months down the line. We're in such a planting seed, get, kind of give back moment right now when yeah. it comes to you're a speaker and, and you know, speakers come to me, the ones that I work with exclusively and, and just what do we need to be doing? What do we need to be doing? And we're encouraging them as much as they can. Obviously we all have mortgages, like you got to pay your bills, but we're in a give back season at the moment right. to plant those seeds to where there's fear, there's confusion. As long as we can be steady, be there for them. When things open up, we, those seeds can start to harvest. Like we're really, you know, saying, so, you know, we're encouraging speakers now there is some uh, you know strategic things that we've done say hey let's go ahead and give them a free virtual event uh, you know next month they have to commit to a live event in 2021 but let's just go ahead and bundle it now let's if they want to commit to a live event 2021 let's give them a free virtual event right now just to start getting dates on the books just to start yeah, filling yeah. Up that calendar so those are some creative things that we're kind of you know encouraging speakers to do and have seen various you know, success depending on the speaker, but you know, that's just an idea of some of the speakers that, you know what, I'm going to do, you know, the first five companies that booked me for 2021, I'm just going to give them a free, you know, virtual in 2020, something like that. So, you know, it's, we're in a time of give back to, um, you know, develop those relationships, you know, no one's making a killing right now. No one's out yeah. there just printing money. So yeah. let's do what we need to do to make it through this you know, uh, let's not give away everything, but let's plant some seeds so that when it hits, we can really hit the ground running, you know, come 2021. And that's, you know, that's what we're seeing. And, and hopefully we'll, we'll see that come through. Very good. Brandon, always good to, uh, to chat with you, man. We appreciate the time and appreciate Absolutely. your uh, insights and wisdom from the, uh, the front lines and kind of what you're saying. Uh, hopefully we'll talk again in another, uh, I don't know, uh, six months, have you back and, and say, Hey man, I'm so busy. I don't know what to do. Uh, we're yeah. slammed. Uh, and, and who knows, but again, we've, uh, we've all been around for a while now. And so hopefully we can uh, continue to uh, serve and make a little dent in the yep. world. So uh, if people want to find out more about you, what you're up to, uh, where, where can we go? Yeah. I mean, you can check out just kind of what we do at premierspeakers.com. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me there for sure. But yeah, feel free to any any questions, that sort of thing, reach out, let us know how we can help you guys. Any advice? We're here to, yeah, all ships are kind of rising together. So yeah, good, to, good so. to be back with you, Grant. Thanks for everything you do, man. You bet. You bet. And I'll give the uh, the disclaimer I always give for any type of a bureau or agency person. Uh, don't go hammer Brandon and say, hey, I'm a speaker. Tell me, do you got extra gigs? He doesn't have a ton of gigs lying around. He's filling the other speaker's calendar. So don't go pepper him for gigs. But uh, if you got a, a specific question, not a vague question, a specific question, I'm sure he'll be happy to, to help you out as, as well as we are as well. So uh, Brandon, again, always good to see you and uh, chat with you. And we'll, we'll catch you next time. Happy New Year, everyone. Go get them. See ya. <laughs>
All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Speaker Lab Podcast. And before you take off, don't forget if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating and review within iTunes. We read every single one of those. It helps, it helps other people to find the show. Listen, we, we don't charge anything for you to listen to these. We don't have any ads or anything. We do this because we want to serve and support speakers like you. So one small favor we ask of you, is that you would leave us some type of a rating and review. And again, we really, really do appreciate that. If you're looking for more help, support as a speaker as you build and grow your business at whatever stage you're at, don't forget to check out thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. We got a ton of free resources and tools over there. So again, check it out over at thespeakerlab.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We appreciate you hanging out with us. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.